listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco and Mark Nortz here, and we're joined now by 2003 graduate and bass player for the Avett Brothers, Bob Crawford. Bob, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure to, to be with you guys. You know, I, I think one of the coolest things in preparing this was looking at some of the really exciting and cool names of people who are associated with Winthrop. And of course, you're at the top of that list. The director of the U.S. Census Bureau is a Winthrop graduate. We, we've spoken to the vice president of communications for the Ravens. Um, just a, a long list of really cool and interesting people from all different backgrounds. What's it like to be a member of that group as a Winthrop graduate? Well, I'm honored, and now I, I know why I receive those Census Bureau emails every day, sometimes three or four times a day. He's doing his job, and he's doing a great job um, in, in really, uh, could you imagine conducting a census during a pandemic? Uh, so they are, I kind of said that in jest as far as rece receiving those emails, but they have done a, a tremendous job, and, and I was happy to send mine back. Um Here's what, when I decided I wanted to go back to school to study music, I was a non-traditional student. I was uh, about 30 years old and I looked around in the area that I lived in Charlotte and I looked around and I wanted to get a, a music conservatory education. And I looked at the different programs uh, that, that were in, in the, in the region and visited Winthrop. And after being there probably six months to a year, I realized how lucky I was because this was, um, I guess, a, in a way, a hidden treasure of a music conservatory, right? It wasn't, you know, you don't think of Winthrop University Music Conservatory as being one of the, one of the, 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 the leaders, one of the big dogs uh, in that world. But I really, all my professors were, were at the top of their game and uh, everyone took everything very seriously. And I, I've learned every day I use something that I learned at Winthrop in, in my profession. Uh, you, you came by a couple of years ago and you, um, you conducted a master's class. And I remember like people were talking and they were thinking that you were going to do a master's class on um, bass playing and, and music, but you actually did it on the music industry. Can you tell us a little bit about that, like how you came about um, becoming like a business person in the profession that you really love? You know, something that Scott Avett uh, said to me years ago, a long time ago, was this attitude of don't think of yourself as a bass player. Think of yourself as someone who does a job and the tool you use to get that job done is the bass, like the plumber's wrench um, and the idea of being a tradesman. And I think that that's a good way for us all to think about ourselves because you don't want to be defined by your career, right? That's so. That's such a, a trapping of life. Is we we spend years and we're very ambitious, and you go to college, and then you you get out and you you want to have a career, and then you get in the career and you want to move up and you want to move up and up and up, and there uh, could be an emptiness there. Um, as the more successful you get, in whatever your chosen field is, uh, there could be a spiritual emptiness. And so this idea of, right, you can't avoid connecting your, you know, your sense of self with what you do for a living. Like that's aspirational to not do that. But um, the idea of, 
of, hey, don't limit yourself to saying, well, I'm, I'm a bass player and that's what I do. Um, I think it's just kind of an idea, just a way of thinking about about things and careers. Like even today, you know, we aren't going to play music for a while. And that's, that's scary. You know, I really, I believe, like we have gigs on the books for July but I, I tell you, my personal assessment, and I base this on, I don't base this on any conversations with promoters or venues um, or management, but I don't see it happening, right? I don't see it happening until next year. I don't see it happening until the fall of 2021 at the soonest. Now, I wouldn't put much stock in what I say, but that's just my mentality at this moment, trying to be a realist. So I'm sitting here thinking, if somebody makes a call in the next three months, hey, we're down. 2020 is the lost year. W- well, what I what do I want to do? You know, what? how do I want to, you know, what project do I want to work on? Uh, how do I want to maybe potentially earn a living, um, depending how long this thing uh, goes? And so I look to, I do the podcasting. I'm one class away from getting my master's in history. Um, you know, so this idea of just thinking of yourself as a bass player, yeah, that's a role I play. It's an important role when I'm doing it. I'm a hundred percent, uh, focused on it, but let's all not just try to have this sense of self by one, by, by, by one thing that we do, you know, even if it is the thing that puts food on the table, puts gas in the car, you know, I think this idea of just thinking more, more broadly about our humanity and our experience uh, is is helpful. Well, I, I sure hope you're wrong about the time frame of when we might have concerts again, especially as you're talking to two guys who just really love music. You guys were supposed to be on tour right now, weren't you? Yeah, we would be leaving right now for about a 10-day run, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we would have... We, we ended last year, Thanksgiving, and then we did our Dominican Republic Festival, which was at the end of, very end of February, which we're so glad we got that in because that allows our crew to be paid for a couple months. Um, and then we would have done a weekend at the beginning of April, and then this would be kind of the start of our, of our year in earnest. Um, and this week we canceled June, and... Now we start like July 2nd or 3rd, but I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't, you, are you going to have 9,000 people at Red Rocks um, for three nights, 27,000 people in three nights in one place? I don't know. Uh, um, earlier this morning, we, uh, we talked to um, one of your teachers, your former teachers, Dr. Uh, Scott Huffman. So, so wait, hold on. Let me like hold that thought. <laughs> let me say. I am one class away from getting my my master's in history, like finally, because it was at Winthrop that I took a polit- political, well, his political science statistics class, his polling statistics class, and I took another uh, civics civics class, and um, and I really about I was about a semester or two away from graduating when I I wanted to be a pol- political science major, <laughs> and so Scott's the best. He's awesome. I love him. Yeah, so that I guess that was my question. You answered my question, like you know, how did that influence you? Because we noticed um, on uh, on your uh, your website that uh, you have uh, the road to now, 
And can you tell us a little bit about that and, and how Scott has played a, a part in that? He's he's one of our experts, right? He's a lot of people's expert because he is he is the polling. Maybe he is the polling guy in the country. Like he's the guy. Who's the guy you want to talk to about polling? Who's the guy you want to talk to about polling in the South and polling the South? Well, that's Scott Huffman, hands down. And I'm so appreciative that he is always gracious and willing to come on and share his expertise with us and his insights. But we began a a gentleman by the name of Dr. Ben Sawyer, who is a lecturer in history at Middle Tennessee State University, began this history podcast in uh, May of 2016. So we're coming up on four years. We've done about 175 shows. Out of that, we've done another 25 theology, we call it Road to Now Theology uh, podcast. And then I just began uh, a politics uh, it's called the Politics of Truth, Politics of Truth, and it's a, focused on the 2020 campaign, and it's the intersection of music and politics. So we talk about the campaign, but we also talk to musicians, and we were talking to musicians about how they use their voice, how they use their platform to advance issues that are important to them. Um, that's changed over the past few weeks. Now we're talking, we are talking about the campaign, even in the uh, altered state that it sits at this moment, but we're talking to musicians about how, how they're getting by, you know, how, how is this affecting them psychologically? How is this affecting their songwriting, their profession? Um, we're all in a, this similar boat. We've all found this world of zoom, right? We're all now connected via our screens. I mean, we were already connected via screens, but I mean, but this is this, uh, this weird new reality. And the, if you will, I don't know, uh, talking with um, a guy named Langhorn Slim earlier this week uh, for a Politics of Truth that will air later today or tomorrow, it was uh, warm. You know, you think about the coldness of communicating via screens, but talking to Slim, uh, such an old, old brother, like uh, this friend, this guy who, if we were near each other, we'd give each other big, long hugs. And to see him on the screen, it... um there was an emotion, there was motion, you know, we felt emotion. And in fact, we, my family's been doing our church service online, like I'm sure many people out there do. And seeing all your church family on the, on the zoom screen, it's, it's bringing this, these emotions up. And I think it's a place that I personally thought I would never get to, uh, with, uh, emotionally with, with screens. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here with you, and we're speaking with Bob Crawford, a member of the Avett Brothers and a 2003 graduate of Winthrop. Do you have a quintessential or a favorite Winthrop moment that you look back on and you think, you know, that's, that's what I remember most from my time here in Rock Hill? One of the first, the moment I knew I had, so I had a career. I worked in film and video production. I was a tech. I worked uh, at that point in audio um, in the sound department. And, but I had, I was a production assistant in the grip electric and I kind of went through the departments. I was, my last stop kind of was in the sound department. And I left that to come back to school to study music. And I remember my first few times on the practice room floor in the music building. 
You walk through these, you know, walk through down the hallways of the practice room floor and you hear, you walk by one room, there's a French horn playing scales. You walk by another room, someone's practicing a piano concerto. You walk through by another room, someone's uh, playing trumpet. And just that, right? Just that, just being around that, in that environment where you were in that practice room for four to six to eight hours a day. I remember sometimes going there at night, you know, on a Sunday night at seven o'clock and walking out at midnight at 1 a.m. Um, that's the, that was the gold of that experience. Not to mention, of course, all the, all the actual knowledge, but, um, but that, that was being in that environment. So for a young person, you know, and I was older when I got in that environment, but for someone who's 18 or 19 entering that world, I, I really, uh, that makes me excited for them. So like we're doing this, uh, all these series of interviews because we can't have everybody together for Winthrop Day. But if you were at Winthrop and we were over in the, in the Lois Rames West Center and we've got all these incoming freshmen milling around, what would your uh, message be to them as far as why they should come to Winthrop? I would say, well, I kind of wish the question was, imagine they were freshmen and it was the first day of classes. What would you say to them? And if that was the question, which it's not, it is now, <laughs> I would say, don't, don't you mess this up. Just focus on the, focus on the, the information, focus on the knowledge, focus on the camaraderie, enjoy every moment. It'll slip by, but don't get sidetracked. Do not get, there's so many things to get sidetracked by. Do not get sidetracked. But if they were thinking of a place to go, I would say, look, this is a department where you can shine. This is a department where you're going to get first, most importantly, you're going to get all the tools you need to move on to the next step, whatever that is. Like you're going to acquire the knowledge that puts you at, at an advantage in the job market and in the world. Second, that, uh, the, the size of this school, um, not to mention it sits on a nice patch of land, right? In the fall, it's just in spring, it's just a beautiful place to be. Um, but you, you got all the resources you need to succeed here and the size allows it to be digestible, you know, and, and to be where you, you know, everybody, uh, and the size presents someone who is, uh, ambitious and eager to kind of, uh, to, to get that, that time on the stage, that, that, that time to, um, develop their individuality and, and see how far they can take their art. I got to ask you a music related question. Do you have a, a memorable story about being on tour or an experience that being, a a musician has taken you to a place that, that you've gone that you wouldn't have imagined just because of uh, your role, you know, as a musician. Yeah, there, no doubt. I think the, the experiences that, and we always say this, like these experiences don't make your career. They don't make your career as far as, you know, the legacy of the Avett brothers or, or the um, determine the success of the band over the long haul. But I'm, I'm convinced the, the things that you remember most, other than the, this, the simple beauty of, hey, we get to do this. Like, we get to walk out on stage and do this. How, and, and doing it for 20 years now. So how blessed are we? But it's, it's sharing the stage with Bob Weir 
from the Grateful Dead or sh- or playing with with John Prine who just passed away, getting to play playing on stage with him, having him uh, nod at me to, to take a guitar solo. I'm a bass player. I'm, I'm up there playing guitar with him. He, I took a so- He encouraged me, demanded I took a solo. And those little things, those those moments with your idols, um, th- those are the things that that I'll always cherish and I'll never forget. So you're glad that you didn't switch to uh, political science and you stuck with music? No, well, I, I get to do it now. So this is the next act, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, one of the things we've, we've talked to a lot of people about is um, music has been getting them through this time. So maybe this is sacrilegious, but um, we're asking people what their pandemic playlist is. And I'm wondering, can you exclude any Avid Brothers songs from your pandemic playlist? What would you, what would you put on your playlist? You know, it's funny. We did an, an interview today for a guy who wrote a book about the Kinks, the band The Kinks, um, a, a historian um, who wrote a book about the Kinks, which is really an interesting. Um, he really places them in a historic context, and it was ironic because two things. I told my wife this a couple weeks ago. During times of great crisis and emotional stress. I don't listen to songs with words. I can't for some reason. When my daughter, my daughter had a brain tumor and went through this very traumatic experience, I listen to classical music or jazz. I can't. I can't do it. And a lot of people go to Avery Brothers songs because of that, because they're suffering the loss of someone or, or going through a really hard time. And it's those words that get them through. And I don't, I don't doubt they do. But for me, it's always been different. I don't know. I don't know what it is about me. So we, so flash forward to when this, the pandemic came and this is on the heels. My, my father passed away two weeks before the pandemic hit. And, I, um, and in fact, it, it's felt like the beginning of the pandemic felt like the world changed when he'd passed and that with the, with the pandemic, it was never going back to how it was. And it felt almost suspended in animation, if that makes any sense. So I was driving around one day, and this is like when the school's being canceled, and it's all kind of, we're all realizing that life as we knew it is over. And I would have almost these these panic attack moments or, you know, where you see tunnel vision in my, my heart, my chest would get tight. And maybe the first or second week of, of the lockdown, I was a beautiful day. I was outside doing some yard work. And it was, um, I was like putting together Anirondack chairs that my wife bought months ago. And there's an, you know, there's instructions and it's an assembly and it's kind of like you, it's like putting together Legos with, with my son. It's like you put your brain aside and you follow the, follow the directions. And so anyway, long story short, I looked on my phone and there was nothing I wanted to listen to. And then I came across, um, the kinks come dancing which is part of this uh, collect greatest hits collection. It's like come dancing with the kinks and it's a collection of the greatest hits. And um, I put that on and that was like an old friend, man. I just, I, cause I used to listen to it a lot many years ago. And this is before I knew we were going to do this interview about the kinks, but, but that was just, I mean, and it's like low budget and Lola and do it again. And of course come dancing and paranoia, like paranoia destroyer. And anyway, that that was um, the closest I've gotten to a pandemic playlist uh, because 
of two things. One, the Scott and Seth have sent me a bunch of songs, so I'll be putting bass on songs starting tomorrow. And the other thing is I'm, again, I'm in my next to last class for my master's. So, you know, with kids, you either have time to listen to music or you have time to read. And I have, uh, my life has been taken up with reading European history and writing papers for the past six weeks. Bob, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Man, it was my pleasure. I wish you guys uh, health and the best as we move forward. That was Bob Crawford, a member of the Grammy-nominated band The Avett Brothers and a 2003 graduate of Winthrop University. This is the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. They put a parking lot on a piece of land Where the supermarket used to stand Before that they put up a bowling alley On the site that used to be the local pally That's where the big bands used to come and play My sister went there on a Saturday Come dancing All our boyfriends used to come and go Why not come dancing It's only natural Saturday, another day She would be ready but she'd always make him wait In the hallway in anticipation He didn't know the night would end up in frustration He'd end up blowing all his wages for the week Or for a cuddle and a peck on the cheek Come dancing That's how they did it when I was just a kid And when they said come dancing My sister always did
The Kinks with Come Dancing here on WINR Eagle Lair. Joe Casco, Mark Nortz with you here for Virtual Winthrop Day. And it's a day where we wish we could be together. And since we can't be together, we're going to do the next best thing and share a whole bunch of stories with you about Winthrop. Talk to students, talk to faculty, talk to alumni, and give you an idea what it's like to be a part of the Winthrop community. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Just so, you know, listeners know, Joe and I, we are practicing social distancing. We're we're about, well, not quite six feet apart, but we're pretty close. We're pretty close. And we do have our hand sanitizer here. Um, I have to admit, I did leave my mask in the car, though. Um, But I I feel pretty safe. I feel pretty safe that we're doing all right. Yes, virtual Winthrop Day. Um, Like we said, how do do you... uh, describe to students who can't be on campus what it's like here. So that's how we came up with this. And um, I think we've had done a pretty good job with the um, the variety of people that we've, we've talked to so far. They've really given us some good information. They've explained um, why Winthrop is, is near and dear to their heart and encouraging people to, you know, explore it further. If you're considering or you're on the fence yet, um, you know, Get a hold of admissions. Um, go to the website, um, click on the tab, and uh, you'll get all kinds of information and everything. And and again, if, if you're interested in psychology or sociology or you're interested in um, theater and fine arts, um, go to those websites. Go to the, I mean, th- not those websites, but go to our website and then go to their page, and they will have all the information that you need. And if there's particular questions you, you have to ask, um, Check out the uh, the department chairs. Uh, the department chairs, if you know, they'll direct you to the teacher that will best um, answer your questions if, if they can't answer them themselves. Um, but it, it's a, it's a, just a good experience here, and it, it's a bunch of good people, and um, we hope to see a whole bunch of you here in the fall. That was a lot of bunches in there, wasn't it? I said bunch about <laughs> I think five times in a row. Well, you did bring up a good point that there are many <laughs> departments available, many majors available, and starting this week. <clears throat> Um, on Monday and running through May 14th, uh, all of the academic departments at Winthrop will be hosting virtual information sessions. So you'll get an opportunity to, to check in virtually with a Winthrop faculty member who will present some material, share some information, answer some questions about what you might need to know about, hey, I think I want to be a theater major or I might want to major in accounting and that information will be available for you. You can also start, talk with an admissions person. All you have to do is give them a call today. They're working remotely, 803-323-2191. You can email them, admissions at winthrop.edu. And you, you mentioned social distancing. We've been checking in with people. We've been getting requests for the pandemic playlist. Absolutely. We heard from Sarah Johnson. She's a 2002 Winthrop graduate. She says she's listening via the TuneIn app from Lancaster, South Carolina. And she wanted to hear the police. Do you know what song it might be? Oh, gosh. If I say social distancing. <laughs> of course, it's got to be Don't Stand So Close to Me. It's coming up next. It's part of our pandemic playlist here on Eagle Air Live. Check in with us. Hashtag pandemic playlist. We'll play your song, and we want to know where you're listening from. It's Virtual Winthrop Day. Young teacher, the subject of school girl fantasy She wants me so badly Knows what she wants to be Inside her 
You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here with you this afternoon. And we're talking now with James Kevin Gray. He's a 1999 graduate of Winthrop, and he's the Minister for Worship and Music at St. John's Baptist Church. James, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. So first of all, just tell us about your job and what it is you do. Tell us what does the Minister for Worship and Music do exactly? Well, my main job is I create worship experiences. So if a person were to come to St. John's on Sunday, I'm um, along with a team of people, uh, we create that worship experience that happens every week. Even in the midst of all of this going on right now, we are still doing that um, through video editing and people sending it in uh, from their home. So that continues on. I direct uh, the choirs and the music program there. And also, it's a rather large church in Charlotte, so we have a lot of uh, community uh, musical experiences, and so I'm over that as well. 
And so how did you um, end up in this position? I mean, how, did, how did being at Winthrop help you get to where you are these days? Well, I think Winthrop formed a great deal of who I am as a person, taught me the skills to be able to uh, musically uh, communicate well enough to get a job um, or a post uh, like the one that I have. Um, so, you know, it's um, Winthrop. Um, also, knowing lots of people and building relationships in the community, that always helps, too, in, in getting those positions. Um, so, yeah. What, what did you major in while you were at Winthrop? Music. I, I graduated with a Bachelor of Music Education. I started off as a teacher in the public school system and did that for several years. Uh, but then I felt more of a calling to go into full-time uh, ministry, and I did that, I think, in 2003. So I've been a full-time church musician since 2003. It, it, uh, we were looking at your uh, your bio here, and um, you seem to have a lot of experience with um, with, with composing. Um, it says you've um, written a lot of music and everything like that. Can you tell us about you know uh, how your education at Winthrop led you to be a successful composer? Well, I had incredible professors. First of all, I had several incredible uh, composition professors, uh, but really all of my music professors, including uh, the director of choral activities, who I was very close to, spent a lot of time in class and outside of class uh, listening to all of the things that I was writing, uh, giving good critical feedback uh, and helping me. And even to this day, when I have a new piece published, there are two or three people that I run it by, uh, uh, one is Dr. Robert Edgerton, uh, who's been retired for several years, but was the director of choral activities. Another one is, um, is David Lowry, who's a uh, retired Winthrop professor. And the other one is my best friend, whom I met the first day of Winthrop. And 26 years later, we are still conversing almost every day. Uh, so, you know, everything that I put out there, uh, Winthrop's fingerprints are all over it. So even though you graduated, you know, a number of years ago, you still have very strong ties to Winthrop. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I've re- decided to remain close to Winthrop. I, I don't work in Rock Hill. I, I, I work in Charlotte, so it's a long drive. But I still live in Rock Hill and have all of these years. I live about two miles away from the campus. And it's, there are days where I just simply uh, drive over there and walk around just to breathe in the good old Winthrop air. Is, um, is there any story or... Um any kind of uh, experience you had at Winthrop that, uh, that stands out in your mind that, that's helped, you know, form and develop you to, to the person you are today? Well, you know, I was, um, I was lucky uh, growing up that I had a, uh, an art, arts programs in my high school mm-hmm. and a very loving and supportive family. Uh, I grew up in the northwesternmost corner of South Carolina, Westminster, but I really could have never imagined uh, as a kid the kind of uh, community I would find at Winthrop. You know, I gained a completely different perspective in life. I experienced diversity in a way that I'd never experienced it. I met people from all over the planet, different nationalities, different races, religions, and I loved every minute of it, and that formed me uh, as a, a human being. And while I was there, I mean, I spoke about it a little bit earlier, but I think I also gained another family, um, these professors and these friends. I mean... I remember one of my uh, the first days on campus when I was auditioning for groups. The first person I auditioned with was Dr. Robert Edgerton, the director of choral activities. And at the end of the uh, audition, he said, there's a guy that you're going to want to meet. His name is Mike Miller. You guys will get along great. I said, thanks. And I went to audition for my voice teacher. At the end of it, he said, there's this guy named Mike Miller. 
you guys would be great friends. Y'all have a lot in common. And so I'm walking into the uh, other side of the music building. As soon as I walk in, the first person I meet was this Mike Miller. And that's the guy who, uh, who I've been best friends with. He and I were fraternity brothers. I had a great fraternity experience with Fami Alpha, uh, to national music fraternity. Um, but went through everything about it really, uh, was incredible for me. Uh, the access to education, uh, a community of people who already understood your language. That's the great thing about when you become, a, you know, you have a major. You go from maybe where you are being one of a handful of people who are passionate about what you do to being surrounded by a whole building full of them. And uh, you, you build some relationships in that context that, you know, carry on with you for the rest of your life. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here, and we're speaking with James Kevin Gray. He's a Winthrop graduate, and he's the Minister for Worship and Music at St. John's Baptist Church. James, do you have like a favorite piece of music that you've composed or a, a time that, that you think about, this is my greatest accomplishment as a, as a writer of music? Oh, that's hard because it's like saying which of your children is the fav- your favorite. I ask a lot uh, of questions that people compare that to. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I've had one of my lifelong dreams is to be published by Oxford University Press, and they published a piece a few years ago, Little Day Born of Mary. That felt like quite an achievement for me to be uh, uh, to be in that publishing house. But I will say that from a heart standpoint, I think the greatest experience I've had in writing happened several, about a year or so ago, and it had something to do with Winthrop. I had um, wanted to write a song about bullying because a, a kid at my church had talked about his experience of being bullied in school. And so I wrote a piece called Safe Place. It was about, uh, it's called Safe Place, Stand Against Bullying, and it talked about what we could do in the song, coming together and helping people. And I came to Winthrop and uh, talked to Dr. Jeremy Mims, the director of choral activities, and asked him if he'd be interested in premiering this work. And I said, by the way, can we have dancers too, ballet dancers? And so uh, his husband, Craig, who also works at Winthrop, uh, teaching dance and voice and stuff, he coordinated that. And so they premiered that work. There were about 700 people there. We had dancers. We had the, the chorus. And then we had the kid I wrote that about. His name is Samuel. He was there. I instantly sent that to the uh, head of editing at Hal Leonard, which is the world's largest music publishing company, and told them the story, and they published it. And it's been my bestseller. And that's not what I'm so happy about, though. I I get messages all the time from uh, directors who said the first time they sang it, kids cried and shared their stories about what it was like to be bullied and to develop these conversations about how to support kids. So really, I think that is probably the greatest... Uh, compositional achievement I've had, and I'm so glad that that came out of a partnership uh, at Winthrop. I, I think it's just very, very fulfilling in any profession when you hear that the work you're producing has an impact on people. So, so very cool story. Uh, something I want to ask you about is being, you know, working at a church. Um, you know, certainly we've seen so much uh, reporting lately about how. Uh, the the shutdown and the pandemic has affected people, you know, not being able to go to a place of worship, a place where people feel better when they walk in the room, you know, where they can, uh, you know, just relate to things that are going on in their life and, and to not be able to be with other, you know, other members of their 
their church is, is difficult for people. How how have you guys gotten through that at at your church? Um, you know, are you doing stuff digitally? Are you how are you getting through this basically? Well, uh, I think we're getting through it as good as you can get through it. Uh, we are working almost around the clock. Uh, in some ways, we're working more than we did when we were in the office because you know you had to do, do the same thing but through different uh, through different media. We are creating videos uh, that come out every day of, uh, well, we, they don't come out every day of the week, but most days of the week we have videos that come out, uh, whether it's the children's minister teaching a children's lesson, or we have these midweek moments that have me, uh, this week I wrote a piece of music for Earth Day, and that was premiered along with the pastor giving a message with some of the congregation members singing from their homes. We have a professional stand-up comedian. She told some jokes to bring some humor. And every Sunday morning, we have, uh, it's not quite the whole 50-minute to an hour worship experience, but it's about 35 minutes. Uh, I'm lucky that I have lots of videos of the choir singing, and we have very talented musical people. But we may have 15 different people recording each week to create that worship experience. And as far as connecting to people, uh, I know that we, we are calling people. I, I've probably called 150 to 200 people myself to check in. And for elderly people who are having problems getting groceries and things, we developed a, a team of healthy people who would go purchase those groceries and put it on their porch and leave them. So we're trying to do the best that we can to continue to be a uh, an outlet of grace in the world. Um, but I think that we're, I think that we're doing it, and I'm real proud of, of what we're able to do. One thing we've been asking people is about the music they've been listening to during all this. A lot of people have been using music as a release and a, a way to occupy their minds as they're at home all the time. Do you have some recommendations of songs we might add to what we're calling our pandemic playlist? Hmm. Well, uh, anything by the Beatles, I think. As a matter of fact, last week I was playing <clears throat> Here Comes the Sun in honor of Easter. Uh, I've been listening to uh, some Rufus Wainwright every day. He's been doing a concert every day, and so I tune in. He's a great artist. Um, you know, uh, the Beatles, Bob Dylan, Rufus Wainwright, um, just whatever it is that you enjoy listening to that speaks to, to your soul, I think that's what you should listen to. Those tend to be uh, um, kind of my bag. Uh, I think Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles sounds very appropriate. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You have to listen to songs that, that help you realize that this will pass. Uh, we may not come out of this, the exact same world that we left, but uh, humans have a great uh, ability to reinvent themselves, and I think we will do that. Um, and we have to have hope, you know, and encourage one another. At the same time, realizing that this is a real issue, and not not be lied about it. But it's going to be okay. There's a saying I can't remember what movie it's from. Maybe it's the best Marigold Hotel ever. But uh, there's a person that says it will be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, then it's not the end. And I, I kind of think about that all the time. I like that. I like that a lot. James, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You are so welcome. Thank you. That was James Kevin Gray, Minister for Worship and Music at St. John's Baptist Church in Charlotte. He's a 1999 graduate of Winthrop University. You're listening to the Eagle Air broadcast of Virtual Winthrop Day. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. 
Beatles with Let It Be here on Eagle Air Live for Virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here with you this afternoon. And we're really enjoying hearing all of the music selections. We're really enjoying hearing from all of our fabulous alumni, students, faculty, and staff. And I don't know, have you had a favorite moment so far? Um, actually, you know, there's two that come to mind. Um, I really thought Chad Steele was was really exceptional. He was fun. It was. I mean, 
uh, you you got to go check him out. Uh, you got to check out his um, uh, some of the, the articles written about him. You'll see him. They'll, they'll show pictures of the NFL sideline, and he's standing next to Tom Brady, and he's standing next to Patrick Mahomes. And you're thinking, yeah, you could have seen this guy playing basketball. Um, like, like he said at the Peabody Gym back in the day, or you could have seen him playing for the Eagles up on the uh, the basketball court at the Coliseum, which is really cool. You know, and here he is; he's standing next to all these you know icons in, in professional sports. And then the other one was um, was Bob Crawford. I thought that was pretty amazing. How um, very very humble guy, very humble. Um, here he is, but he's you know just kind of tossing it off like, oh yeah, I was on the stage with. Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead, and he says, "Oh, please do a solo for me." And and oh yeah, I got to play with John Prine, and as we all know, John Prine recently was a victim of COVID nineteen, which is too bad. But um, just some amazing stories from people who got their start here at Winthrop University. Just shows you all the places that a degree from Winthrop can take you, and who knows, the connections you make here will be lifelong. And you never know where you might end up. I, coming up, we'll be talking to uh, uh, a gentleman who's an emergency room physician in Boston at the Harvard School of Medicine who's a Winthrop grad. And, and, you know, when I talked to him on the phone in preparing for this, he told me he never imagined he would have gone to medical school when he first started off at Winthrop. But you never know where life might take you. That's true. That is so true. And um, the other thing I think that kind of amazes me is um, when students come back, you know, I, of course, you know, we see a lot of um, mass communication students because we're in the mass comm department, but they come back and, and they'll tell us like, yeah, you must be disappointed in me because I didn't go into broadcasting or I didn't go into journalism. And we're like, no, we're not disappointed. You know, you did it. You got your education and it set you up to be successful in life. And, and that's what it's all about. It's not a territory territorial issue. It's not like, you know, yes, we, we, we need to brag that we've got all of our graduates in the field of choice, but they are, in a way, in a field of choice. They, they've chosen a field, and they've used their education to get them there. You can check out all the news and, and what you need to know about attending school at Winthrop here by going to our website, winthrop.edu. You can check in with admissions counselors who are working remotely today, 803-323-2191. Email them, admissions at winthrop.edu. I think my favorite moment today has been hearing from all the people all over, and I loved how we got a message right away, literally five minutes into the show of, Here's my request for the pandemic playlist. Pandemic so that's playlist. Been, that's been a lot of fun. And it's the top of the hour, 2 o'clock. We should remind you, you're listening to WINR Eagle Air, broadcasting from the campus of Winthrop University here at Johnson Hall. In this hour, remember, in just a few minutes, we've got Dr. Adolphus Belk from the Political Science Department. And then coming up in the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear from P.N. Saxena. He's the dean of the um, business school here at Winthrop University. So another selection from the pandemic playlist is coming up next. We heard from Dave Kirsch, who said he's listening this afternoon via the TuneIn app in Sun City, South Carolina, just nice. over uh, past Fort Mill there. Nice. And he said he wanted to hear something about America, something patriotic. He didn't care who or what. So I reached into the Eagle Air Vault and I found this gem from Ray Charles. 
It's America the Beautiful. It's Dave Kirsch's Pandemic Playlist Request. It's up next here on Eagle Air. Oh, beautiful, far heroes proved in liberating strife. Who more than self? to the Eagle Air broadcast of virtual Winthrop Day. Joseph Casco, Mark Nortz here today. 